At the Florida Keys. Well, we, we say all the time. We love travelling around different parts of the world, chatting to some of the great anglers around the world yeah. and getting an insight into how they got started, what they do, how they catch and where they catch. And how they can bring other people into great fish that they're passionate about. And Absolutely. We've got one of the greatest here today. Yeah, we have. Very excited. We're going over to the US to exactly where and how he all got started. Let's ask him, and he's a captain too. So, Captain Tom Rowland, thank you very much for joining us on the Anglers Podcast. How did it all get started for you? Man, thank you. I'm honoured to be here. Um, it all got started. I uh, started fishing, fly fishing, out in the Rocky Mountains of the United States of America in around Yellowstone National Park. And there's some incredible fishing there uh, within a 200-mile radius of Yellowstone National Park. Uh, was a drift boat guide, so you're rowing a boat down the river and uh, fishing really incredible, legendary waters like the South Fork of the Snake and the Henry's Fork and, and the Snake River and just incredible places through the Grand Teton National Park and just fell in love with it and uh, wanted to fish year-round. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll try to you know, fly fish for trout year round. And that would take me to Patagonia or Argentina or someplace like that, where it might be warm when it's cold in the United States, it might be warm somewhere else. So started down that path and, and just, it, it just wasn't, I wasn't finding anything that looked good. Somehow I came around uh, Key West, Florida. And I thought, man, what is wrong with this? This is this seems perfect. There's bonefish, permit, tarpon, the Everglades. There's just incredible Florida Keys. And um, when I started, there weren't that many guides down there. So I thought, man, this is this is perfect. You can fish year round. So uh, while I was still fishing out west, I went down to Key West. I got my captain's license. Started learning the water. Spent a year on the water before I took a charter, and just kind of got started. It was a slow slow, steady process, but uh, just kind of got started. And um, the fish that I was primarily fishing for was the permit. And I know you have permit there too, the Indo-Pacific permit. We have uh, a different permit, the Atlantic permit. Uh, I think our fish might be a little more shy than than yours from my limited experience. I've only been to what do you reckon? It's a bit easy to catch, catch fish here in Australia. I think that the Indo-Pacific permit, to my, from my experience, and maybe I just hit a couple of good days, I don't know, it was a little bit easier yeah. to catch it. It wanted, it wanted to bite more. You know, it wanted to play ball a little more. And maybe it was just a little more friendly to the fly. But uh, it's not that the, the Atlantic permit is, is impossible to catch. It's just, it's just difficult. And I think for, for a long time, people didn't understand what it was that we were trying to, to do. And um, you're trying to imitate a, a live crab. And, you know, with a fly that doesn't move much, it's, it's difficult to do that. And a lot of people for a long time were fishing for permit, and it was just kind of an incidental uh, fish that they would find when they were fishing for bonefish. So for the most part, you're fishing in, in water that is shallower than, than I would normally permit fish if you're up there bone fishing. And so the shallower the water, the spookier the fish is going to get. And as you start to learn how to fish for them more and more, I started fishing in deeper and deeper water for them to where, you know, you got to, you got to fish at 30 pounds. Maybe, maybe he's three feet long. So if you can fish in three and a half feet of water instead of two feet of water, 
that fish is far more comfortable. He's far more relaxed. He, nothing When he tails up and eats something off the bottom, nothing sticks out of the water. He's not and as flighty. Yeah, man, they're, they're much easier they're much easier to catch like that. It took me a long time to figure that out because it's a lot more fun to fish for them when their tails are flying out of the water and, and, and you can see it. It's incredibly visual, but you know, if you have good visibility and good light, you can, you can see them, uh, pretty well, but the permit was a, was a primary fish. Of course, the tarpon, uh, we have in the Florida Keys and the tarpon is a, a wonderful fish. You have a, a similar fish with the octahe herring, but the tarpon that we have, uh, they grow to over 200 pounds. And they're a migratory fish, uh, just like a bird. They're going to come through at certain times of the year. We're usually between these days, it's j- between January and, and June, you're going to have a migration of these fish. So all of a sudden, there aren't many big tarpon around, and then there's thousands of them around, and then there are very few around after that. And then we have smaller fish, smaller tarpon that are that are around year-round that live in the Florida Keys. Uh, yeah. And then the third fish was bonefish, and the bonefish is is worldwide. You know, you, you, you can fish for them all over the place. Uh, but we have a we have a species in the Florida Keys that uh, is is great. It's the same fish that they have in the Bahamas uh, and Mexico. It's really a good good thing. So the three fish, the uh, the Grand Slam, that's what we that's what we would call it. The you catch a permit of bonefish and a tarpon in a day. That was a really good goal wow. to, yeah. to have. A lot of anglers, you know, travel from all over the place to try to do that in a day. And the Florida Keys is a really incredible place for that because even on some flats you could catch all three of those fish on you know within a within a couple hundred yards on the right day on the right tide in the right situation it it could possibly lend itself to that other days you have to travel hundreds of miles to be able to to hit the tides right to be able to uh to catch all three in a day so you know you can kind of luck into it but but any day that you were that you catch all three on fly or or spin it's a fantastic day. In addition to that, we've got the, the Everglades, um, which has a tremendous number of fish up, up there, redfish, snook, all kinds of uh, black drum, even largemouth bass in the black bass family when you get up into the freshwater. And we have jacks, which are very similar to your trevally down there. We have a whole jack family that we fish for, trout, ladyfish, all these different fish, probably about 50 different species wow. of fish that we fish for regularly in the Florida Keys, which is very similar uh, to, to my experience coming down to see, to see you. I was, I love Australia. I love it. Like that, that is absolutely my favorite fishing trip that I've taken because, you know, in the Florida Keys, you, you come to the Florida Keys and it's a, it's a world-class fishing destination. When you walk into any tackle shop there, it's like, wow, man, there, there are some fishermen around here. You know, there, there's, you, they got the right gear on the wall. They're selling the right stuff. And you go, you know, you go a couple of miles down the road, there's another bait shop. They've got all the right stuff. It's obvious that, that when you walk into the Florida Keys, that, that this is a fisherman's place. World records have been set all over the place. And I got the same exact feeling when I went into Australia. I went into some of these shops in Australia, and I was just amazed at the tackle at the knowledge that the the people behind the counter had and just the passion that Australians have for fishing. And I loved it. And then the fishing did not disappoint. I went to Carpentaria region uh, with a a captain named Greg Bethune. And uh, we got on a mothership and went up all over, all over that region and just 
there were so many species of fish and so many different situations. It was just lifetimes of exploring up there. I just, I would love to come back. Um, that, that trip is very high on my list. Well, you're welcome anytime, Tom. And I must admit, like you, you've gone from Yellowstone drifting the rivers for for trout and and that sort of stuff. You've you've advanced, well, not advanced, but you've you've gone from freshwater to salt to target, like you say, the likes of permit, bonefish, and uh, tarpon, which are like the trilogy, which are absolutely. Oh, they're on my bucket list. I'm not a fly fisherman at mm. all, and it sounds like you do a lot of fly fishing, all fly fishing. But um, no, no, not all fly fishing. But I, I do a tremendous amount of spin fishing and live bait fishing as well. And the live bait will be anything from just a live shrimp uh, on a on a bear hook, so so yep. very ultra light tackle, light shrimp. Uh, and then we fish for the permit with a small live crab about the size of a of a quarter or a silver dollar, or about a two inch two inches across the carapace, three inches across the carapace. That's one of my favorite ways to fish for them. Jigs, lures, I love all of that. And uh, fly fishing is just, for me, fly fishing is a is a way that I like to fish. It's not the only way that I like to fish by any stretch of the imagination. And it's just like a, it's just like another, another golf club in the, in the golf bag. It's just a tool on the tool belt. When it's, when it's great to fly fish, I love to fly fish. When, when it's better to spin fish, I'd rather spin fish. Yeah, that's awesome. And and to to say that, so you run your own charter. You spend a whole year in um the the keys, just learning from because you've come from freshwater, you've gone to salt, you've learnt for a whole year. So you run a charter. Do you teach them to fly fish? Do you run them through different ways yeah. of spin fishing and live baiting? Um, what can we expect if we were to come out at, uh, you know, the Keys and, and learn or, or come with you on a charter? Well, it's, uh, it's really up to the individual. You know, you, when you're booking a trip, I think, I think one of the things about being a, being a really good fishing guide, no matter where you are in the world, is good communication before the trip starts. So, for example, if you're, a, if you're an expert spin fisherman, and you're really not interested in fly fishing, I don't want to push that on you. There's no reason why we have to fly fish. Let's do the type of fishing that you like. And as my job as a fishing guide is to show you the best day that you can possibly have. So I'm not really hung up on, on what the tackle is. Of course, sometimes of the year, laser focused on fly fishing for tarpon or laser focused for fly fishing for a certain species. And for weeks, the boat will be set up where all fly tackle in the boat there's you know it's just set up for it so to to stop doing that and maybe bait fish for live bait fish for a day is a whole different setup with the anchor system and different things that you might need so in in certain situations you know you kind of stick to the stick to the plan but for the most part i like to do whatever the individual likes to do and if someone comes down and it's tarpon season, but they they booked the trip and they really want to catch a permit on a live crab, well, that's what we're doing that day if and the weather yeah, allows it. And that's well, a good um, guide, you know. Yeah, well, that's what and, and the good guide uh, I think is somebody that communicates up front and understands what the angler wants to do, and then makes sure that they're coming at the right time of the year for that that there's a high likelihood that they're going to be able to uh, at least have a sporting chance at, at the fish that they want. So, and you know, when you really talk to an angler before they come, a lot of times they really just want to have a great trip, yeah, have yeah. tarpon on their mind or whatever. 
and when you really communicate with them, they say, well, you know what? I, I mean, I'm bringing my son and we just want to catch a bunch of fish. Yeah. And well, that, you know, whatever. And that's cool. But then you have these other guys that are in pursuit of world records or they're in pursuit of, of, you know, maybe they've caught the Indo-Pacific permit and they want to catch the Atlantic permit and they are laser focused on that and they don't want to do anything else. And they have a certain type of tackle in mind and they're going to bring all their own rods. They're going to tie all their own knots. They're going to tie all their own flies. And for that guy, you want to do exactly what he wants to do. You don't want to deviate from the plan whatsoever. He's booking you because he's heard yeah. you're good at that. And that's what, that's what they want to do. But, you know, for the most part, if, if someone has never been to the Florida Keys and they're coming from someplace like Australia where your guys are, are, are very avid fishermen down there and you want to experience a trip in the Florida Keys, my advice would be to find the best possible guide that you could somebody that has a great reputation for the type of fishing, whether it's offshore or inshore or whatever the type of fishing is that you're most interested in, find that guide, communicate with them before and say, listen, man, I want the best experience I can have. I want to catch as many species as I can. And, and, you know, the tarpon is high on my list, but if that's not happening, then let's move on and do something else. Because a lot of times the weather may not be, very Suitable. good for one species but it might lend itself to many other species and so it, i just feel like if you come to the florida keys for the first time and and you only want to catch one particular fish you're missing out on so many of the other opportunities that that are there and a good guide can say you know listen if it was me fishing today i'd go try to catch some bonefish and then we'll, we'll run up to everglades we'll catch some redfish and we'll we'll do all this and if you've never been there it's all going to be new to you and it's going to be fantastic tommy pump yourself up you've been what are you, how many championships have you won over the years like you are a gun fisherman i think at one point i counted them up and it was like 65 top five finishes in in tournaments there's been some there's been some good wins there's been some good wins and there's a lot of different types of tournaments, you know, everything from, from freshwater tournaments, like the, uh, I think the first big win was the, the ESPN great outdoor games, which was a fly fishing tournament, uh, international fly fishing tournament. And I, I happened to win that. And that kind of, it kind of got my interest on other types of tournaments. And so we, we had some charity tournaments in the Florida Keys and they would be for permit bonefish, tarpon, redfish, those, those types of fish. And, and so there's a tremendous amount of, of, of those tournaments, and we, we happen to win some of those and, and do well in a lot of those tournaments. And then, then uh, my partner and I got onto the professional redfish tournament trail, and we traveled all over the United States fishing in that, and we, we happened to win uh, one of those outright, and that was, that was a really big deal because you're competing with literally the best of the best in that style of fishing in, in the world because redfish aren't worldwide. So the the, the redfish lives in the, in the United States, and there are some really amazing anglers that fish for that fish every day. And for us, it's just one of the fish that we happen to fish for. So to go into their backyard and fish for the fish that they fish for primary uh, was, was a real uh, – that, that was one of the best wins of, of the whole career, was to be yeah. able to, to just compete with those guys on their home turf for the fish that they fish for you know, every day of the year yeah. and for us to be able to come from an outside area and be able to compete with them and then actually win one of those tournaments was really good. Wow. Um, but, you know, the, the tournaments have kind of made, made way uh, for, you know, to understand the sponsorship game. And then 
than to start a television show. And so we've had a television show now called Saltwater Experience, and Saltwater Experience has been on the air for 18 years. Wow. And Say in, on that show, my, my partner, Rich Tudor, and I, we, um, we, we fish for all these same fish that, that we're talking about today. Uh, over the years, we've probably fished for about 30, 30 of the 50 different species, maybe, maybe more, uh, because we do some offshore fishing on the show as well. And um, so we, we take the viewer on a, on a trip through the Florida Keys. And, and in Australia, it's available to you. You could go to waypointtv.com or, or YouTube. On YouTube, we have all, all of our seasons on there, and we have it on waypointtv.com. It's completely free. Anybody can watch it, but you can watch 18 seasons, and it's a great introduction to the Florida Keys if anyone's thinking about you know coming over, coming from over yeah. to, to experience the fishing that we have. Uh, we try to do a really good job of showing people what the keys are like and what the fishing's like and how the techniques differ from 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 other places in the world. And and uh, the keys is really a uh, you know some of the best fishermen in the world. Just like just like in Australia, man, you guys have some really incredible fishermen that have. We've got one sitting right across the, across from me. Herb, I can't stop. One, li- I I could listen to to you, Captain Tommy, all uh, all day. I mean. Um, you 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 fish a lot. What I want to know, what's your biggest tarpon? I, I'm a I'm a, I, we get tarpon here. Uh, we get oxide herring as well. But what is your biggest mm-hmm. tarpon? Two hundred pound. You say they grow. What's your biggest you've caught? Yeah, certainly, certainly caught some uh, over two hundred pounds. Um, wow. The biggest one that I've ever put a put a tape on. It had a really big girth. I think it was a over 40 inch girth. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It was a long, it was a really long time ago. So I don't remember the exact measurements, but I know that that fish takes out at, um, you know, and it, you, you're using an equation. Yeah. It's, it, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, math that goes into it and maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know. But as far as the measurements go, it taped out at over 200 pounds and that fish was caught on fly. It was kind of a, a thing about landing them oh. over 200 pounds and and, uh, and and doing it on IGFA legal uh, tackle. So mm. when you're when we're fishing at the bridge and we're live baiting and stuff like that, it lends itself to catching larger fish. Uh, and sometimes, you know, during the migration, you'll hook into one that's really, really, really big. And uh, we have a shark problem in the Florida Keys. Uh, we have hammerheads. Thank you. Have, Same here. Uh, yeah, I mean it's gotten so out of control. Now, now, why is that, Captain Tommy? Like, why is your shark problem? So, are, are you not? Is your commercial fishery not taking sharks out? Uh, yeah, no, they they stopped they stopped allowing anyone to to fish commercially for sharks in in certain waters. They have, uh, uh, you know, it's just almost nobody kills them anymore for any reason. Mm-hmm. And the commercial longliners don't don't. They don't. They don't take. Herb's don't about to blow up. He hates. Not. This happens in Australia. And oh. Herb's about to blow we, up. We've He's got a massive shark problem here, and we've got sharks everywhere. And and you know we've got big great whites and all that sort of stuff, and and whatever else. But um, yeah, same thing. Uh, we stopped taking sharks out of the equation. Uh, they're not for market. We're not allowed to take them. Commercial fishers aren't allowed to take. They protected them, whatever. And uh, predominantly, they're killing uh, fish that recreational fishermen are catching and releasing, which I think yeah. is, uh, and obviously commercial fishermen are taking fin fish as well. But um, this sort of leads to it's it's a problem in a lot of states where uh, 
you know, you hook a 200-pound tarp and lose it to a shark, which you're going to release. Uh, yeah. It's well, not it a sustainable it fishery, it, is it, it? No, and it's happening um, It's happening while you're fighting the fish. I mean, it, it doesn't take long. Now, one of the things that happens with the hammerheads is the hammerheads have traditionally followed the tarpon migration. So you'll yeah. have these hammerhead sharks that are 13, 14 feet long. They weigh 1,000 pounds. They are agile, and they can catch a tarpon very, very easily, but they can catch them super easily if they're hooked. And there are areas where you'll have massive con- concentrations of these migrating tarpon. I mean, there literally will be thousands and thousands of fish at a pass, the, a bridge like the Hia Honda Bridge, and there'll be eight or ten of these giant hammerheads that, that are eating, eating the, the tarpon when, wow. when you're hooking them. So. So when you're asking about like how big is the one, we've kind of gotten away from really uh, landing a fish. You can't bring them into the boat anymore. That's a that's a law, and it's a good law because you know you bring a you bring a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred pound tarpon into the boat with you. Yeah, no, um, breaking They, they back. just tear everything up. They they're shitting everywhere. They're it it's it's not good for the fish. It's not good nah. for you. It, it made a great picture for a few years, but uh, for the most part, we're trying to let them go as fast as we possibly can. Fight them as fast as we possibly can, and then let them go as fast as we possibly can. Which sometimes is is just break them off or cut the cut the leader as close to the hook as possible, so that they have the best chance of of survival. Um, and so we're not really taping the fish, measuring the fish like we used to. So you're just kind of looking at this thing going. And that's probably the biggest one I've ever caught. But I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But it, it's become less important to be like, okay, well, the biggest one I ever caught before was a hundred, taped out to 194 pounds, and this one is 204. You know, yay, that's awesome. But it, uh, it, it's more like these days we're just trying to just trying to release them as quickly as possible. It's not about the trophy, is it? It's about the memory. It's about the enjoyment of the fight. It's about the uh, the memories that you're going to have from that. And letting that fish go. But I do want to know, you've come to Australia, you've been up the Gulf of Carpentaria. I'm not sure which side you've been. You can elaborate that now. And I must say, as a fisherman, you'd love a good cold beer. Do you like Australian beer? <laughs> you know, uh, I actually don't drink beer anymore. But I, at, at one time, and when I came to Australia... I did like beer, and I did drink a lot of it. So, uh, yeah, you guys have great beer. <laughs> Good <laughs> answer. Do you have beer in Florida, Keys? We have beer in Florida, and yeah. and you know there have been there have there is a reputation that that a lot of Keys guides really enjoy drinking beer, and so that's where the Australian guides and the and the Keys and the Florida Keys guides can can have uh, a middle ground a place where where both feel welcome and that is at the bar um there, there's a lot of there's a lot of drinking in the florida keys tommy when you catch a fish uh can we ask you what is and we like to uh, get all the different ways people what what's the best fish you like to eat how do you like to cook it oh yeah well we have a we have a ton of really amazing fish and one of the ones um you know you'll probably have have one that's you know top table fare in, in Australia. I don't know what that would be right now, but we have a yellowtail snapper, and we have a whole snapper family, uh, which has you know maybe 20 or 30 different species of snapper. 
the and, and all of the snappers are my favorite. I like the gray snapper, which is the mangrove snapper. You you probably have a fish that is either exactly the same fish or one that looks almost exactly mangrove like it. Mangrove jack, uh, I think it's tall that. Mang- yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they they're the most common. Um, they're they're around the docks. They're around the mangroves. They're very easy to catch. It's it's often a, a kid's first fish that they ever catch in salt water oh. is a mangrove snapper. But they also happen to be my favorite to eat. I love them, and uh, I think they are fantastic. I like, um, you know, all of the snappers: mutton snapper, yellowtail snapper, gray snapper. Those are probably my favorite. And how favorites. are you cooking it? Uh, then we, um, you know, you can cook that pretty. It, it, when you have a fish that is that good, it's hard to mess it up. Yeah, a uh, fried snapper sandwich is about as good as you uh, can. Ah, you chuck a salad in here. Talk know? us through. Ah. Talk us through. What is it? A snapper sanger? A snapper sanger? Snapper sandwich? Yeah. Well, so sanger, get, we call really, them in really, Australia. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you know, we we can do it with a lot of different things. You can um, you know breadcrumbs. Oh. Uh, you know, put the fish in breadcrumbs, or uh, you can you can do it with like. Um, some pan fried. Um, sear, sometimes, yeah, pan fried. That's bit what of, I like. Bit of steak. So you, you like pan, pan fried. fried. Bit of butter, bit of garlic, maybe yep, a little bit, just exactly in a pan. Right. And maybe a little that's bit of perfect. oil just to stop the butter burning and just and then turn mm-hmm. it over and spoon the butter that's, on top. That's oh, exactly oh, right. Oh. And it's going to be golden brown, and you put that on oh. some fresh bread, and, and you are ready to go. So that's probably my favorite way to, to eat. It's not, the, not exactly the healthiest way, but... Um, you know, we have a lot of other fish that are incredibly good, uh, sashimi. So we have several tunas that, yep. that, uh, I'll, I'll do like that. The, uh, zero mackerel, which is not the same mackerel that you have that you call a zero mackerel, but that fish that you have down there that w- w- we were calling zeros when I was catching them, uh, or no Spanish mackerel, we Spanish, were calling them Spanish yeah. mackerel. Our, our Spanish mackerel is very small. Your Spanish mackerel was much more like our wahoo and that was that fish was amazing well don't I you have king there mackerel the there are here. they called kings we, we yeah we do have king mackerels i don't find that the king mackerel is my favorite that one we we smoke that fish and then make a fish dip out of it Ooh. like a smoked fish dip you mix it with uh with cream cheese and 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 make make a fish dip and that's very popular oh yeah uh, king fish dip and uh but then the wahoo which is a similarly shaped fish, a similar yeah, size fish, get him has here. teeth and everything, and it's got the you know the bars on it. That fish is much more like the Spanish mackerel that I caught when I was in in, in Australia, okay. and yeah, you know, right. we'll stake that fish out, throw it on the grill, and uh, it's it's fabulous. Oh, I'm hungry. Uh, we did that with <laughs> I'm a bloody yeah, hungry now. The, uh, so one of my favorite recipes for the wahoo is to stake out the wahoo. Then I'll make uh I'll get a bunch of like cherry tomatoes and, and fresh fresh tomatoes and I'll make my own sauce with the with the tomatoes with garlic and tomatoes and and then uh, we'll grill the fish. You get the fish about three quarters of the way done on the grill where it's still kind of raw in the in the middle but pretty good on the outside. And then I'll put that into the tomato sauce and finish it off right there. And then, uh, then put that like yeah. over either rice or mashed potatoes. And that's one of my favorite dishes. Uh, we'll do that also with like a Thai, a Thai spice yeah. as well. 
um, which is, you know, when you eat fish a lot, you, you need to do it a little differently every now and then. And, and, uh-huh. but, but occasionally, you know, you're trying to just be a little different and add a little variety and you come across something. You are living the best just... life ever, Tommy. You are yeah, living the best life. Cook. I can't work it out. I'm salivating well, here right listen. now. And that's the thing, isn't it? If you can catch it and cook it, it's just uh, it's worth its weight in gold. Tommy Rowland, check out his podcast, TommyRowlandPodcast.com. For your time, we really do appreciate yeah. it. You're an absolute gun fisherman yeah, you know, all around the world. But in the U.S., uh, you're an absolute freak. We really do appreciate yep. all your time and the knowledge you've given us. <laughs> yep, I could listen to you all day, Thank Captain you. Tommy. I'm honored, honored to be here, man. Thank you. No uh, you guys get over to the United States. Give me a call. Yeah, good on you, Captain. Captain Tommy Rollins, mate. All the best. Take it easy. Stay safe out there. Over.